Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cheese and pickle. Hello, this is Comfort Blanket and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to someone who makes cool stuff that I like about some warm stuff that they like. A book or a TV show or a film or a record that they go back to again and again for comfort. This time I'm talking to the comedy actor and podcaster Margaret Cable smith Margaret presents the Crushed podcast about people's embarrassing crushes and is a familiar face and voice for a comedy fan. She's one of the stars of John Finnemore's souvenir programmes. She's in things like Miranda and Motherland uh, and just about everything else. And she was recently in EastEnders playing a doctor who is an expert in ADHD. She was very convincing. I mean, if you've got kicky legs or you have trouble focusing, maybe she'll be able to pretend to know about it. She was very reassuring. She's very good. And she has chosen for her comfort blanket the 2014 British comedy film Pride. change my style. It has to be a style of firm leadership. One isn't here to be a softy. You're here to be a good, firm leader. I've spoken to the council about your deviant parties. There's no need to do that. Just knock on the door. We let you in. They're sending a policeman. Oh, I do hope so. Hello. Hello. We're just starting, are we? I don't know. I thought we'd just start. We could just <laughs> right, start. Let's, start. Let, let's do it. As, as if we haven't been talking for about an hour about absolutely anything else. Let's talk about your choice that you brought on Comfort Blanket, which is a film it from is 2014. A film. Yes. What film have you chosen to bring on? I've chosen Pride. Which I should say, a couple of the people who I love most in the world genuinely think is really terrible, which really? I was, uh, yeah, fascinated by. So this by. is your film, it belongs this, to you. Yeah, and it's my defence. <laughs> I am a pride apologist. You're not ashamed um, of your love I'm of pride. I'm really not ashamed. I should set the scene. Yeah, go on. Which is, and this is similar to when I saw Four Weddings, right. which I which I could have brought on yeah, and, and talked about. Choice. Absolutely loved it. Uh, but past the reason that I... I did love it was that I saw it when I was in Australia. I was very homesick and I knew nothing about it. And it was bad weather. So my friends and I were like, well, let's go and watch whatever is on. And it was for weddings. And I loved it so, so utterly. But I do think I wouldn't have loved it as much if I'd seen it after all the hype, yeah. you know, after all the sort of like everyone banging on about for weddings and doing quoting and everyone loves Hugh Grant and whatever. Yeah, yeah. It colours it, doesn't it? It's totally your expectations. I remember going to see... Uh, Black Swan, the Natalie Portman ballet film. And my wife and I went one day apart with different people and both came home with completely different experiences. One of us loved it, one of us hated it. And we worked out it was nothing to do with the film. It was who we'd gone in with, what we were expecting. And we both had the same opinion about it. But one of us had found its hamminess and stupidity really delightful. And one of us had said, well, that's going to win awards. Yeah. Same film, but it was to do with context, what mood you were in. exactly. It's so sensitive. Context is not a myth. (laughs) And so I went to see Pride on my own at a mid-morning cinema. I had vouchers. We were doing some belt tightening at the time. Um, (laughs) So it's got value on its side as well. It was a bargain. It it was such a bargain. (laughs) And I went along and it was just me and a young couple who I think were on quite an early date. Right. 
Uh, that was it. That was us in the cinema. And at the end of the film, it's the only film I've had to stay till the very end of the credits Aww. because I was such a mess. <laughs> I was like, I can't. I mean, so it's not just the tears streaming. It's sobbing. It's Brilliant. actual noisy sobbing. The couple left in embarrassment. They passed me <laughs> and they both looked away in absolute horror at this sobbing middle-aged woman in her anorak. Um so you ruined their date as well. I That's brilliant. Ruined, oh, I have a habit of ruining. I or, ruined, maybe, or maybe you became a, a story, a bonding story. You got married and they keep talking about that yes, woman. Yes, yes. You could be their thing. I hope so. I did once, I also <laughs> went on a ride at the end of Brighton Pier and I wanted to go on and my then boyfriend didn't and they wouldn't let me go in a carriage on my own. So I had to go in with a dating couple and it was just the three of us and I kept being... <laughs> thrown against them and I really I definitely ruined that date they hated me this is your role in life you are a gooseberry and an anecdote for many many couples you probably come up in a lot of wedding speeches <laughs> what a lovely do you thought. remember that awful woman yeah mm. it's like yeah, you move through life at being that for people yeah. bonding uh, and helping them. You see, I see that. My Hufflepuff energy yeah, exactly. is <laughs> helping so, so you many. wept till the end. I wept till the end. Well, I didn't weep all the way through it. I think I only wept. At, well, um, did you cry? Oh, God. I'm, I, I saw this like you knowing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and you go, well, I know what that's kind of going to be. Oh, well, I It should... looks like that kind of thing. Watched it, uh, cried. And then I watched it again for this. Uh, and I sat and I cried again. Yay. So, yes, of course You I see, cried. I mean, actually, I should say this is worse than Four Weddings and a Funeral in that I thought it looked terrible. Yes. Like I thought those advert, those posters of the sort of badly photoshopped motley group of British characters with yeah. a couple of national treasures crowbarred into it. I was like, that looks horrendous. That looks like one of those British films, which is about somebody learning to drive. <laughs> something. So I was not on board. <laughs> everybody. Name me the group you represent in this case. Lesbians and gays support the minors. It does look like AI has made it. You type British heartwarming film, yeah. Mid-Journey would make the poster. It is so factory tooled. It is so by numbers. I had the same reaction. I went, oh, I don't mind these. I went to see the full Monty. I went to see Brass Stuff at the cinema. So I, I'll go and see these. I like a bit of Ealing. I'll do it. But I kind of had massively low expectations of this, same as you. A gaggle of gays and lesbians has come out in favour of the miners' strike. We've been backed up by perverts. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to... I mean, I liked the Full Monty and Brastop. You know, yeah. those sorts of films, they are definitely high-end. Yeah. But this was... Yeah, I was worried about this. And then, of course, the brilliant thing about it was watching the whole film and loving it, but thinking, this isn't really very likely. They've They've pushed the yeah. boundaries of realism here. So then the captions at the end, yeah. <laughs> where it's all real, <laughs> that was what really set me off. Though I just couldn't believe it when they started saying, this is what happened to the, you know, Amazing. this woman became the the first female MP in Swansea. And I was just like, this is, uh, what? sorry, this is, oh my God, this is all real. I it couldn't really, get over it. It really keeps its powder dry. I, I was saying this to someone recently about any film that's based on a true story, what you're waiting for is the captions at the end. Absolutely. Photographs, captions. Yeah. My favourite one, obviously, is in Backbeat, the Beatles film, which ends up with a still photo that goes, the Beatles went on to have many hits and to become one of the most successful bands in the world, as if you wouldn't know that going to Backbeat. But they're all versions of that. They go, what happened next? Apparently, ABBA were very successful. Elton <laughs> yeah. John became quite a big rock star. But I love those things at the end where it shows you, particularly if they do a thing where they've got the picture of the actor next to the person they played. Their Love glasses those. were the same. <laughs> Who would have thought that the costume department got the same glasses? <laughs> I'm a complete sucker for that. But I think you're right. This film, in terms of the contract it has with the audience, which is, I'm aware that these films make a load of shit up. Yes. And at the end, if you say, we didn't make any shit up, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, because a kick you ha- in the tear Yeah, we haven't heard of these people, yeah. you know, either. These are not famous people. It's not the Beatles where you're waiting to find out if they had any hits later. Well, yeah, and there's the incredible one. I remember watching Eddie the Eagle, which is a film I absolutely adore, yeah. uh, which is brilliant, where literally none of that happened. No. Metaphorically, it did. He did try and do a thing that was hard. But beyond that, everything was made up. Yeah. No one in that film is real. There wasn't a crazy sort of sports guy who was an alcoholic. You're not going to give up, are you? You want your moment, Eddie? You've got to do this for real. The most formulaic British feel-good films usually have a thing where you yeah. go, I accept it. You're going to make some stuff up to make this work. And I think the killer with this film is it holds it right to the end and you go, this is so improbable. And then the final result is they say, it really happened. And you go, what? Yeah. 
when you're in a battle against an enemy so much bigger, so much stronger than you, and to find out you had a friend you never knew existed, well, that's the best feeling in the world. And I rang my sister. I think I was still crying. And it was very much in my sister's wheel. <laughs> Weeks later. <laughs> and I rang her and I couldn't remember the word captions. And I said, but, but, so I said, when you see it, just... Just when you see the, the white writing at the end, the, the white, white writing. White writing. <laughs> and what was brilliant was then she watched it and, went, and she rang me and was crying and just saying, the white writing, Margaret, the white writing. become what this film is. It's all about the white writing. Actually, that could be a genre. It's, it's my favourite white writing film. <laughs> um, when you watch a film and it goes, based on a true story, and you know at the beginning of it, you're then going to go, am I going to be watching Argo, which is a thoroughly entertaining <laughs> film where at the end, when you look it up on Wikipedia and literally none of it happened, but you were entertained and you go, oh, fair enough, that's fine. a good bit of screenwriting. Yeah. That's fine. It's just a story. Or is it going to be that brilliant thing? Well, I remember watching Dog Day Afternoon for the first time at the end of it and it went, oh, Literally, that all happened. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, when you've been really, really entertained by something which looks like it's been made by a formula, and at the end of it, it went, sometimes life has the same shape as a Hollywood feel-good movie. What a sensational thing to find out. Yes. Yeah, that is absolutely spot on. There's money you've raised. That's all from gays and lesbians. Mostly. Yeah. Right. There we are. This is just the beginning. Oh, mm-hmm. You've got big plans. So I should say what it's about. And of course, it could be a trigger warning if people are massive homophobes. They might want to, might want to just avoid this film. Don't want to watch gay people being happy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Poor things. Yeah. So it's about a very charismatic activist, a gay activist from Northern Ireland called Mark Ashton. Yes. Played by Ben Schnetzer, who yeah. I keep thinking died because he died in this film. You are convinced that all the things that happened to the characters in the white writing then happened to the actors. Yeah, right? so yeah. I think that poor actor's never going to get hired again because he keeps going in for things and they keep saying, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> he was brought up in Northern Ireland and there's a lovely speech that he does about how he knows what happens when people don't talk to each other. Yeah. And he's an activist and he says, why, if you stand for gay rights, why wouldn't you stand for workers' rights? Why wouldn't you stand for women's rights? It's a show of solidarity. Who hates the miners? Thatcher. Who else? The police, the public and the tabloid press. It sounds familiar. Surely, But the only problem we've got that they haven't is Mary Whitehouse, and that can only be a matter of time. I know it's not been planned, it's not been thought through, but it's a really good idea, isn't it? And so he, uh, seeing all of what the miners are going through when they're on strike in the 80s, decides to collect for them. He just gets a bucket. It's such a simple thing. He gets some buckets... And a, a nice bit of direction that Matthew Walker, who directed it, who's a stage director, he did Matilda, the original stage director of Matilda and lots of other stuff like that. He did The Lord of the Rings on the stage. Mm. Like crazy a stage career. This is his first film. And it's a really simple way of saying, these guys are going to shake a bucket. So the first thing you see him do is get some buckets. Yeah. Total clarity. They go out and shake a bucket and you go, so where's this story going? Oh, just there. It's really, really <laughs> yeah. clear. Where's Mark now? Hey, listen up, everyone. Where exactly have you been? I want everyone to take a bucket and start rattling. This is for the miners. This guy just decides one day he sees that the miners are on strike. And there's an element that they don't say out loud. I looked up on Wikipedia why they had to do it is that the government had frozen the funds of the National Union of Mine Workers so they couldn't raise money. So other organisations had to raise money and get the money to the miners who obviously were starving and they they didn't have any earnings. So the idea is there are people in your country who are on strike and to raise money for them, you just shake a bucket. It's a really simple bit of storytelling. Yeah. So he does it. I mean, actually, that's one of the things I love about this film is the is the very direct nature of yeah. the storytelling. It's like they go, we go back and forth to the, their world and then their world, yeah. and then their world you know. And they end up just almost sticking a pin in a map, yeah, uh, for various reasons. Just sort of picking a mining town and saying we're going to collect for you, yeah. So they get this money to yep. the mining town, and Paddy Considine, luckily, lovely, is, <laughs> lives in the mining town. That's handy. <laughs> And he comes and he comes to collect. No, he doesn't come to collect, does he? He comes to sort say of thank you and say thank you. Try, yeah. it's, it's, there's got to be sort of some sort of rapprochement between the two groups, the mm-hmm. very, very different seeming groups that they sort of very politicised. They're all centred on a, on gays, the word bookshops. It's a very sort of activist sort of almost like Viz characters, yeah. militant style, student grant, liberal, urban, gay uh, group who have 
decided randomly to put a pin in a map and it's like, like a French exchange. You've been twinned, like a twin town yes. with this little Welsh thing. And to go, right, we'll buy them dinner. It's as simple as that. We'll send them some sandwiches. It's got a blue peterness. You raise money for some people who need it. It's got very simple. A child can understand it. And then Paddy Considine, who's a Welsh miner called Di, comes to see them and say thank you. Yeah. And here's the culture clash. It's as simple as that. Yeah. That person in a donkey jacket, Paddy Considine, who barely has to say a word. He's just... He's shrugging. He looks like a man who's been underground a lot. He's sort of, he's he's ducking all the time. Yeah. It, everything about his physical performance in this is you go, I like you, and you look kind and nice and a bit broken. Yeah. It's a wonderful performance. And the first worry you've got is when this activist group have to face the mind, you think, oh, there's going to be a fight. And the moment that Paddy Constantine appears, you go, oh, maybe they won't be. He looks kind. Yeah. And yeah, it's just that. They're so lucky to have him. And even though he is. Immediately, I mean, he's on the back foot because he didn't realise what it stood for, the LGSM, <laughs> Lesbian and Gays Support the Minors, yeah, yeah. LGSM. So, LGSM, what does that stand for then? He's got the L stood for London. Yeah, so he is on the back foot. He's very, he's soft but hard. The bit where he then has to, they basically make him give a speech yeah. in a gay club. Yeah. Which is, I think, yeah, the first sort of worries about how is this going to go down particularly as Mark charming handsome activist Mark gets up and immediately is shouted down by someone shouting commie some of you know me my name is Mark Ashton (laughs) which I think is really brilliant because it sort of shows this isn't always a united community you know this is a a diverse community the gay community wasn't all sunshine and rainbows you can have five minutes are you sure about this dead sure yeah but for die oh I'm alright lad Trust me, Di, if you can handle this, it's going to make a huge difference. What's he going to do? Take his clothes off? I'm just going to say thank you. Well, don't blame me if you get bottled. One of the guys says, why are we supporting the kind of people? I come from a mining community and they used to beat me up. Mm-hmm. It's a very good screenplay for very deftly. And it's written by a guy called Stephen Beresford. It's a very good screenplay for very deftly saying, the moment a thought pops into your head and you go, well, surely they wouldn't be all in favour of this. Someone has given that line. Yes. It's very generous to the audience. It says, any doubt you've got is constantly selling itself because it's an improbable setup. These two groups would get together. The gay community in London would support the Welsh mining community. So every time you go, oh, it's a bit far-fetched. Someone says, I'm not in favour of this. Yeah. You don't speak for me. I feel uncomfortable. It's brilliant. There's yeah. always a line given to someone. Well, quite. And not only that, they're not won over. He just goes. That bloke who says, these are the people that used to beat me up. He fucks off. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and then quite a lot of the rest of them do as well. So you sort of go, okay, this is already a, a yeah. motley group of, of gay activists. It sort of, it manages to do something which I think is why, might be key to why it's so enjoyable to watch. It depicts conflict and argument and dispute and people not agreeing without ever feeling harsh, brash and hectoring. You don't watch people argue. You watch people get along. But it does represent the arguments without finding them the interesting part. It is fascinated completely thematically with where people find areas of agreement. And for a drama to be about agreement and concord, <laughs> when we're all taught that drama is about conflict, the conflict is there. The threat of conflict is constant. But it doesn't get off on that. It tends no. to go, this person hates that idea, they walk out. So we'll keep the camera focused on the people who are getting Still on. There. yeah. And over an hour and a half, two hours, it's really nice to watch people agree yeah. because drama is so often about disagreement and discord. And to the extent it parks in the distance, a lot of the more difficult stuff you're watching it and going, well, of course, what we're watching here is a small nugget of the gay community raising money for the miners, but it's really surely it's the story of the miners and the conflict with Thatcher. No, it parks that off on the side. <laughs> it's going on. It's addressed there. It's clearly in the background, but it doesn't then show you lots of police baton charges. It refers to it, but it parks it off camera. So you're not watching a traumatic, distressing argument. You're watching how human beings can agree, which is unheard of in cinema. Absolutely. (laughs) The stakes are really high, but it's just, yeah, it's really sweetly done. I mean, I think you're right. I think that's absolutely everything that I that I love about it. Everything will be all right once they start to mix. I really love films where nothing happens at all. And this isn't one of those. <laughs> no, it's full of incident. It's got a really strong story. It's very clear. It's got act structure. Why it's so amazing when the white writing comes up that it happened is it does fulfil all the needs of a, of a feel-good yeah. British sort of David and Goliath small people against the bigger world story. Yeah, and not everything has to be about everything. Yes. So this is not that, but this is not the film about the miners' strike. Yeah. This is a film about these communities 
yeah. coming together. And actually, I love the fact that um, it, it sort of nods towards how the lesbians are having an even worse time <laughs> because they're marginalised by the gay guys. Yeah, yeah. In fact, my favourite bit in the film is when they get in the van and go to the, the mining community and the, the three lesbians yep. are singing Every Woman is a Lesbian at Heart. Every woman is a lesbian at heart. Every One of the guys gets irritated and starts saying, you can't say that, you can't say that. But I think the underlying thing is he's just annoyed. He doesn't want them singing. He's, he's sick of the, <laughs> the women singing. They're being irritating. It's not actually a political point he wants to make. Yeah. It's not. He's just annoyed. And he thinks the way of shutting them up is by saying, you can't uh, you, you can't say that. Esther Ranson is not a lesbian, yeah. which I really love as a reference. And says, my mum's not a lesbian. And then someone else is trying to sort of calm it down, saying, you just can't generalise. And you think that that's going to shut them up. But actually what happens, and it's what happened if I was there mm. as well, is they think every woman is a lesbian. Every woman is a lesbian. Including Reggie's mum, which is the childish thing to do, yeah. the funny thing to do, the brilliant yeah. thing to do. And I love the fact that they don't, you know, they don't go on about it. It's not what the film is about, no. but it, it, it's there. It's, it's addressing it enough. I look at this from a writing point of view and think, the decisions that are made in this film, which is what you're always looking at, any film you enjoy, why does it work? The decisions are good. The decisions to deal with a conflict, which is the miners' strike, a conflict, a political conflict, and a conflict within society between people of different values, uh, different cultures. This is literally a culture wars drama yes. about the clash of the traditional mining community and a sort of urban gay thing. So you've got all this conflict. So you can go, well, there's. I, if I was going to write this, I'd write about the conflict. And it does every single line, every single scene. There is a conflict. There is a potential moment where people might pull apart. There is a seed where the, the, the gay guys might get annoyed with the lesbian singing in the van. And it doesn't not cover it. It does it and says, and they're still holding together. Yeah. It makes it a film where every single scene and every single line contains with it that there's the hope that we can get along. Not because we're the same, but because we're different and we need each other. Yeah. And it's, a, a, it's, it's one of those lovely scripts that is, works at a large level, but fractally, every single line says, this person disagrees with this person, and they're still friends. Yeah. That lovely thing someone said about Jim Henson, the Muppets message is, we're all different, so let's get along. Whereas, oh, the, whereas the Disney message is, so we're all lovely. the same, so let's get along. I love the Sesame Street message, which is, diversity is the reason we have to pull together. And that's what the whole message is about, so, as Mark the Activist says. We know what it's like to be picked on, so we must have an alliance with another group who are being picked on. It's yeah, as simple as exactly. that. Exactly. And it doesn't mean you understand it all. And no. it doesn't mean you're not annoyed. As I was saying to my daughter just the other day, we're all annoying. It's all right <laughs> to be annoying. Everybody's annoying. It's fine. The better we learn that, yeah. the easier life will be. The, don't the, expect not to be annoyed by your friends and don't expect not to annoy your friends. That is a, going to happen. That's a beautiful point. I think there's a you look at it generationally, and one of the reasons I think that, that currently the culture wars are hotting up is there was a generation who were told, it would all be all right if you shut up. Don't yeah. let anyone know you're different. Don't let anyone know that you don't fit in. Don't let anyone know. What we'll do is we'll invent that sort of 50s idea of saying, there is a single default person we're all aiming to be, and we all aim to be that. Any diversity, shush, shush, shush. I mean, my dad's saying to it once, have you tried not having these thoughts? <laughs> and I remember saying to him back, how's that working out for you guys and your generation? Um, all that thing that annoys people about diversity, whether it's, I don't know, gender, sexuality, uh, race, class, you can get along, but you have to acknowledge that you're going to annoy each other. Yeah. Which is basically, I, I'm now seeing this as Sesame Street. Oh, and how about my ukulele so I can play yeah, along with the music? Especially the message of the Muppets is they're all annoying and they all get on. This is kind of a Muppet movie. The Muppet Pride would be amazing. <gasps> yes. <laughs> the only thing that would make it more heartwarming is to do it with Muppets. Oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> So I think you're right that the fact they have conflicts and they just carry on. Like, I'm sad that the lesbian group do end up splitting. Yeah. Um, and there's three of them. Where are my lesbians? Where are my lesbians? These are all cucumber. No butter. Stalk SB everyone. It's a beautiful acknowledgement that one of the things that never happens in the left 
is that everyone unites. The myth of the Labour movement is that it all unites. And the point yeah. is, it's massively factional. One of the things that's really effective about the right is they will all rally together under a single oh, flag. to win, yeah. Uh, yeah and they the, know that to win, you have to all come together where the left are like, oh, we should there's be a, There's a beautiful People's Front of Judeanists about three yeah. lesbians going off and getting their own banner. And yeah. it completely acknowledges that. The point is that this is, there is a fantasy, again, that the people will pull together and that the shared needs of the miners and the gay community will be represented by them pulling together and agreeing to work on something. Listen, Jesse, we don't mind the gays and the lesbians, that's fine. But don't you dare be bringing people from North Wales down here. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why it's such a magical film if you are sort of slightly liberal or left-leaning, is it's about a fantasy where diverse groups within the left work together, a thing that has literally never happened before. And the white writing said it happened once. It happened once. We can do this. There's too many of you. What? What do you mean to... What do you mean too many? I think he means them. First time that the London gays go to the Welsh village, they don't... Paddy Considine does win over the gays. But Mark, the first time that he goes... Does not. He does badly he when he really gets badly. Yeah. And I think it's quite rare for him. He's very much set up as a fearless person, yeah, which yeah. he definitely was. But I really liked that as well. I want to see the real. I want to see the grey and the fact that, you know, yeah. there is a lot of grumpy miners. Well, the main thing he does, which is bad, is to tell them that one in five of them is gay. Yeah. They don't like that. It's, <laughs> they it's, don't it's like really that. It's really well judged. It's the, the thing that you've come from a, a group where that would that would absolutely take the roof off yeah. in, in the gay bookshop and it fails. Yeah. Outrageous jokes. What it's trying to do... This thing, because it is a, it is basically a fantasy movie that turns out at the end when the white writing comes up, but it turns out it was true. It's like at the, the end of Spider Man, they went, <laughs> at the end of Spider Man, they said, this actually happened. Kid, could, kid got bitten yes. by a radio to Spider Man. You go, oh, what brilliant news. It's a fantasy movie about a fantasy of us all working together, a thing that certainly now, and this is a 2014 film, within two years, the idea that anyone would work together with anyone else who didn't share their values 100% completely. And that is true of the right and the left. It's total ideological purity. You can't speak for me. You do not represent me. We divide up and you can only speak for your own group. And this fantasy of us all working together, which we have to do as human beings, because there's other things to worry about, that fantasy is sold to you by relentlessly saying and testing it by showing you it going wrong. That the fantasy of working together, so someone will stand up at a working men's club and say, one in five of you is gay and just go down really badly. Look, we raise this money because we want to help you. And that's it. And we'll keep on trying to help you for as long as you want us to, because we've been through some of the same things you've been through. Listen, if one in five people is gay, then one in five minors must be too, right? So that's at least a fifth of you who's pleased to see us. So it keeps showing you the moments it could go wrong yeah. where people might split and might leave, because it has to keep convincing you that this fantasy could work. You want to believe a man can fly. You're constantly told that this is the story it's going to tell. And it does it by winning you over a scene and a line at a time by showing you it going wrong and then going right despite that. And the message is, and it's the correct message, is persistence is everything. That's the thing. You just keep going and keep going. It doesn't matter how many people on both sides walk out. You just have to try and drag people into your bubble. That's the only option. And that's what Mark was very much about. Whenever you talk about anything you believe in now, one of the things that obsesses people is who walks out. You go on social media and say, hey, I've got a thought. And the people who argue with you, maybe a thousand people agree with you and don't say anything. Mm-hmm. But two people go, that's not true of me. And you feel really upset. Whereas the truth is, you should not be upset that the two people have walked out because they're going to anyway. And this whole film is about that feeling of you need to take as many people with you as possible, but you won't take everybody. And you, you can't possibly get everyone to agree on everything. But the general move is persistence will get everyone on side. Social change happens slowly by winning over hearts and minds, but not everybody. Yeah. And it's a really adult way of looking at it. There's a cheaper version of this film where everything everyone says gets a rousing response. Yes, yeah. I was pretty then. You're pretty now. Well, go south, doesn't it? Love, looks, everything. That's cheery. Soddy. I always thought sex is for the men, really. Anyway, we just put up with it, don't we? Keep them quiet. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will listen to a certain amount of drunken bollocks, Gail. But sex is not just for the men, it's for the women too, believe me. 
I fear that this is sounding a bit worthy so far. Mm. And what I should say is that actually they acknowledge that sex is a big thing as yeah. well. Because the thing that wins some of the miners round is Dominic West's dancing. Yes! <laughs> He's so good in this. Yeah. Disco. I don't know what he's doing. Is there something about if you're an old Etonian, you're looking forward to getting your with nail part where you're just a charismatic, <laughs> slightly older, strange, eccentric Hammy, guy. Yeah. And yeah. you just are, uh, yeah. And he's just wonderfulness. It's a very good performance. Yeah. Really well judged. I remember feeling a little bit suspicious of it until the dancing. And then yeah. I was thinking he's really nailed that dancing as well because don't get me wrong, it's good dancing, but it is, it, it feels like he's doing the dancing of the era, which doesn't necessarily hold up as the best dancing. But at that time, you know, to those dowdy Welsh women, he's absolutely hot stuff. It's brilliant. All the straight men there go, look at the women flocking to him. I mean, they're, you know, dancing around him. Thrilled, you know, throwing their bras off. Oh, okay. And there's a really nice little plot line of somebody saying, why are you... Why are you entertaining this? And yeah. so I was going, listen, you can stand at the side being too scared to ask Debbie what's her face yeah. to dance. I'm I'm getting in here and they're sort of, you know, teaching yeah. these men in their jumpers and ta- taxi cab <laughs> jackets to uh to give it some on the dance floor. It's loosening people up and it's sort of saying that there's there's another way to be. There's another form of masculinity that you may not have been aware of. <laughs> it's full of ideas like that. It's a really good ensemble film that each character gets a storyline mm. that is hit maybe with two or three beats. You never feel that anyone's getting too much screen time. You can follow all those stories. You can follow Bill Nye's character's storyline. You can follow George Mackay's character, Joe's storyline. They're all done very delicately with three or four beats. And in any other film, I think one of those guys would be the lead. Even even, even Ben Schnetzer's character isn't really the lead. And I think certainly George Mackay's character would have been the audience's representative, the the young guy who's only just come out. And he's just uncomfortable with this thing. And you go in through his eyes a little bit at the beginning. You go, oh, I'm going to follow him. And then he gets parked as part of a group. And it's all to do with groups. It's not to do with individuals. It's about a group of people. They've all got lovely stories you can follow. And Dominic West story and and Andrew Scott story, they're all brilliant. Back then, when they knew even less about this thing, they gave out numbers with each diagnosis. One, two, three, and so on. Of course, when they got into the high thousands... Well, the Bill Knight story is brilliant and I sort of I'm not sure I've seen that much of Bill Nye and what I have seen is Love Actually and it's my favourite performance in Love Actually it's it's extraordinary but seeing him doing this very very quiet subtle thing I lost my younger brother to that pit 36 years old but without it these villages are nothing have finished is a real revelation like he is sort of embarrassed for a, a lot of it yeah. and there's a really nice little bit at the end because he's a poet mm. and does a lot of slightly embarrassing poetry uh, <laughs> throughout the film and then at the very end when the miners turn up to do the yeah. pride march he sees a banner called gay poetry he sees the gay poetry thing and he it's a really understated reaction yeah. and it's very nice because you <laughs> sort of think it would have been easy to do the uh, big british trombone you know <laughs> we, we, you know we've seen him getting his little moment as well and actually it's just a very sweet little thing of going oh here are my people i'm going to yeah. quietly join them Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're encouraged to watch quite closely a bunch of characters. No one's given the limelight. And you follow them all. And they all have a line through. And it's extremely delicate. I'm very hard to do to tell a bunch of stories together where something is heading in a single direction. The hero of the thing is the movement. The goal is not Bill Nye's goal or Andrew Scott's yeah. goal. They've all got goals. Andrew Scott wants to reconcile with his mother. and th- They've all got goals. And you feel little punch the air moments every time everyone gets their goal. But the goal is the final bit of the film where everything comes together. A very beautifully unexpected punch the air ending. Yeah. But it's made of loads and loads and loads of little triumphs along the way, which it's a delicate little tapestry. And for a film that flirts with broadness. Oh, yes. Because it uses all the tricks of yep. every broad, feel-good British comedy you've ever seen. It's actually really subtle and delicate. Yeah. At the same time as being massively broad. And I don't know how it does it. What the hell's going on? There's normal people who want to drink in you as well, you know? You listen to me. Those people in there are our guests. Yeah? Well, they want to watch themselves. Leave it, man. Come on, for God's sake, man. Come on. Maybe it's about audience expectation. You go in expecting this and you go, right, it's a fish out of water thing, culture clash thing. I bet you the moment that Paddy Considine's minor meets a bookshop full of gay guys, there'll be a culture clash and they won't understand each other. Well, I'm not going to pretend I'm not surprised. You could see that. Truth told, you're the first gays I've ever met in my life. As far as you're aware. That's true. And you're the first minor I've ever met. Yes. <laughs> and they get on. Yeah. And you went, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Okay, so we're 10 minutes in <laughs> and everything appears to be fine. It keeps doing that. You know where it's going because you've seen a million films like this and it doesn't play those notes. It plays the other one. And then it finds something else to tell you. And I think that's why at the end of it, when the white writing comes up, you go, yeah, that did feel authentic because... I kept expecting a beat and yes. getting another one. Yes, exactly. I mean, you say it flirts with broadness. I'm not sure it ever does tip into it. As I no. say, like, I don't think that, there, you know, there's not something where you think there's going to be a sound effect or, you know, there's sort of trousers mm. dropping. It's a, <laughs> it's a punchline. It's not on the buses, goes on holiday. No. I don't think it is ever broad. And I feel like, even though I didn't know this at the time, it is, it's a very, very confident film. Yeah. And I presume its confidence comes from... This actually happened. This yes. Happened. Yeah, because I think every time it's going to go for something, I like being I like being manipulated. I want to <laughs> laugh and cry and yeah. and I'm happy if you do it. People who go, oh, I don't like it, it was manipulative. Why are you going to the cinema? You are supposed to gasp when the train comes at the station. The form of cinema, it's a ballyhoo, it's a circus. You're meant to succumb to it, don't resist yeah. it. So I'll happily go and see a big feel-good film and feel, be made to feel good. That's the contract. Go and see a musical, I want to be uplifted or whatever. And this, I at the end of it I kept thinking this has trusted my intelligence yes I never felt patronised what it is it is a big dumb film for clever people who think they know what's coming next because from that first beat where you think the culture clash is going to be Paddy Constantine's going to go oh I didn't know it was you guys yeah. and he doesn't he goes oh fair enough yeah I go oh great so every time I can second guess what the next beat's going to be you're going to do something interesting yeah. So by the end of it, you go, I feel really flattered by that. But isn't that, isn't that like life anyway? Yeah. You know, you sort of... You People surprise expect, you. Yeah, exactly. People surprise you that's all the, the time. That's the message of the film. People will surprise you. Maybe it's about pride. It's also about prejudice. Um, <laughs> that you will be prejudiced towards these people and think you know what they're going to be like. And then they turn out to be unexpected. Yeah. And I think even though the full Monty is great, I do remember feeling when I was watching this, I think through Billy Elliot as well, I was thinking they're telling the Americans what the minor strikes are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I did feel patronised maybe is a bit extreme, but a, a little bit like, you know, talked down to, I'm going to have to explain to you what yeah. the backdrop is. You have to accept here. the terms of it. I was waiting to have to accept its terms and go, okay, to be told the interesting story, I've got to turn my brain off a bit. And it yeah. never did. Yeah. They called us perverts. Bromley, it's time for an important part of your education. Hands up in this room if you've ever been called a name like that. No. There is a long and honourable tradition in the gay community and it has stood us in good stead for a very long time. When somebody calls you a name, am I right about this, Jonathan? Dead right. You take it and you own it. That's what my heart yearns for now. 
I love you. You owe me. One of the things I love is big, spoiler alert, at the end, you know, it's, it's been mainly about the lesbian and gay supporting the miners. And then at the end, the big pride march, yeah. the the miners turn up to support yeah. them and go on the yeah. march. Uh, but then the white writing has the fact that the National Union of Mine Workers, as a big voting block, got through the lowering of the legalised yeah. age of homosexuality. They, they, they changed life in return for the lesbian and gay community. Yeah. Uh, which is which is a topper yeah. of them turning up to the Pride March, which is emotional enough, as I think I've established. And they've, and they've seeded that really beautifully with, there's a nice moment where George Mackay's character, Joe, is at a party and they talk about how he's illegal. Don't tell people because you're underage. What are you, 10? I'm 20. You won't go spreading that around. You're illegal, darling. 16 for the breeders, 21 for the gays. Did you learn nothing on that march? You're still a minor. And it's very early in the film. Yeah. So the seeding of saying, this seems slightly unfair. that, yeah, that Five this, years difference. <laughs> this guy who knows his sexuality and is completely accepted within this community is breaking the law by even being himself. All that stuff's in there. And again, very delicately, not hectoringly done. And this paid off at the end by the white writing. There are deep effects and benefits that go beyond the immediate thing of, of providing meals for minors. And it's chosen the story it's going to tell by choosing which stories it's not going to tell. And by the end of it, it becomes really clear. It's not going to tell you the story of uh, economic policy, <laughs> about the union movement, or even what happens to mining communities. It's kind of, that's pushed to one side. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say when the miners go back to work, it doesn't go, well, that fixed everything. <laughs> it flirts with the shadow of the comic strip strike. <laughs> that, that brilliant yeah. moment where, 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 when will it be fixed? When the government says the miners can go back to work. You're going, that kind of fudge that Hollywood would do. Yeah. It pushes that all off stage and goes, don't worry about that. That's not the story we're telling. We're telling a story about people and trust and how you build communities and how you build alliances. That's the only story. So it manages to very cleverly park the story it's not telling off screen so that at the end of it, you can't say, well, we didn't tell that story properly. They chose not to. They chose yeah. to tell one story. Yeah, and it's about the fight and the fight is not over and it's never over. So that it would be wrong to say there was any happily ever after. Yeah. It's a nonsense. It's like saying when you get married, there's a happily yes. ever after. It's bullshit. We accept it as the story of a, a film. Yeah. But I love that this is really satisfactorily told without saying, it was resolved, guys. Yeah. It's recall now, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or the miners are fine now. It's like, neither of those things are true. Yeah, yeah. But what a lovely moment and, you know, what a lovely advert for coming together in community. Yeah, it finishes by saying, this is not a finished story. This is a process. And a process that if you want it to carry on and to keep feeling good, it's not finished. Maybe that's the essence of it being a very mature version of this thing is it doesn't end up with someone punching the air and you go, oh, good, he got to take his pants off. It's finished. <laughs> well done. It doesn't finish with the underdog sports team winning the trophy. No. It ends up with, this is an ongoing struggle, and the answer is we've got to work together. That puts the responsibility back on me to not prejudge other people. Oh, okay, I'll take that out of the cinema. Well, it's a terrible thing to do because I was such a mess. I wasn't able to do any activism at all, all day. Just, yeah, cr just, just crying. crying. Just... It's not really use. You didn't help anybody, did you? <laughs> Incredibly simple film with an incredibly simple message without ever being simplistic. It's about the struggle continuing. Yeah. And the struggle to get on. Um, yeah. And, mean, the, it, and, the, and also the obstacles weren't what you expected. And that's it. The obstacle wasn't can some Welsh miners and some gay people get on, which would be how I'd write the first draft. Yeah. But that's dealt with in 10 minutes. Yeah. 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 Of course they get on. They're human beings. They're both in trouble. Sure. And also some of them don't get on. Yeah. You know, some of them. Fuck off, as I say. Mm. Like some of them do yeah. not say, I'm won over by these charming people. It makes it a much bigger subject. And I suppose maybe that's another thing that makes it feel so incredible about it. It's, it's, it's got a message of hope for groups of people who now evidently and tragically, we are now aware, can't get on. Because all that's happened since this film came out is we have divided and divided and divided yeah. and fractured and people uh, people just fight and say, you can't speak for me. 
that is reflected in the film. They say, what are we doing speaking for them? What are they doing speaking for us? And that feeling of going, what we have in common is our victimhood or our outsiderhood or our, our enemy. Uh, yeah, our marginalization. And you go, well, hang on. If the enemy is, I don't know, let's say awful men or capitalism or whatever, <laughs> then unite against them. This dream of a common enemy has been divided and shattered in the interests all over society of those common enemies who are doing great oh, God, after really shattering that consensus. Yeah. They're doing brilliantly. Uh, John Boyega wrote a tweet years ago now, um, unity is a superpower they don't want us to unlock, which wow. I go back and un-retweet un- un- and re-retweet <laughs> yeah. every time I'm feeling particularly down about <laughs> yeah. how things are going, shall we say. And it's that message which I think is misunderstood and has been scrambled a lot, which is the thing of saying, look, there aren't many of them usually. There's usually more of us. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can break up us is by breaking us into loads of us's and thems. That great cartoon that goes around every so often of the king standing on the battlements and there's loads of people with pitchforks and torches coming up. And he says to his advisors, what should we do? And he says, we have to persuade the people with the pitchforks, the people with the torches want to take their pitchforks. You can stop a mob from having any effect by just dividing them. Yeah. And this is about the story of, of any organised movement, which is to do with you've got to all cooperate. You've got to get along. Maybe that's the power of this film. This uses the form of a fish-out-of-water culture clash movie. And it says straight away, do you know what? They're going to get on, which is never said. The engine for all these feel-good movies is very slowly, the wary parties get closer and closer. Within 10 minutes, the straightaway thing is lots of them get on. Now, that's a message that ruins the comic engine, wrecks your plot, (laughs) and they go, no, you can still tell a really good story with this. And that's really subversive to not go for those jokes. I would writing this to formula for a British feel-good culture clash movie. It would be a very slow rapprochement that would end up with them finally agreeing warily to work together. Yeah, and doing a number. But it shifts that plot hinge to right at the beginning and then says, so here's the adventure of how they keep that alliance together. Yeah. Yeah, we can get on, which is not how these stories work. And then the white writing at the end says, do you know this is possible all the time? If you just park your prejudices, you'd be really strong. Yeah. There is a strength in the union. Listen. There's got to be some kind of compromise. Why? Because that's the way you get things done. No, it fucking isn't. Listen. Why does everything get so aggressive with you lot? Listen to me. Listen to me. Whether we march with banners or without, the important thing is that we march together. All of us. That's what this whole thing has been about since the beginning, and that is absolutely how it is going to end. Together. I was at a protest the other day and I um, I was on my own, uh, which does make you feel, you know, a little bit more. There were more, more people at the protest. It wasn't just you. <laughs> you weren't just I like- just like to see everywhere I go as being a protest <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> so, yeah, there were loads of people, but there was quite a lot. It was uh, against the anti-refugee yeah. bill. Where I was, it was quite a lot of people on their own, quite a lot of quite shy, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, and it was hard. I remember sort of hearing some of the chants and sort of, in my weedy voice, and I don't have a weedy voice generally, but in, I felt embarrassed. I yeah. didn't want to start chanting. And I was thinking, thinking how hard it is to do this, to come together. And, and the guy who was comparing, is that the word? Emceeing. Uh, <laughs> um, He wasn't great. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. And you sort of think, oh God, you see why these things are difficult to do. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and I was really sad about so the the lead character we keep talking about mark ashton he did die of aids at the age of 26 or 27 it's a few years after this story i mean he gets a few years more than that too yeah and i was thinking about how having just just one you know those people were at a protest who were wanting to be led who were wanting to have the chance and just have someone charismatic just who sounds in charge (laughs) leading and um and that's obviously hugely, hugely important. And also, I think there's loads of people who fancied him. Um, yeah. I have a podcast about crushes. Yeah. And it's funny how much having a crush on someone leads to someone's entire political personality oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So going, oh, that, well, that person's, you know, inspiringly hot. 
I'll become this. And well, you um, want to be near them. It's basic uh, human tribalism. If the yeah. silverback, you want to be near the silverback. You sort of go, and getting up and being that person who can draw people in. I suppose the difference here. Oh, maybe I'm going to go wildly off into an area that won't work, but. The message of this is if you have one charismatic person who can draw people together, that's normally strong. Whereas a lot of the time, the person who, if you wanted to say, well, the damage you can do with demagoguery is to stand at the front and divide people and say, those people, we're nothing yeah. to do with them. That's even easier. Yeah. You can I mean, just you can blame other people. Yeah. What do you do? And what's really hard is to draw people together. And I've been on protests where it was really hard to get a chant going because people mm. from different groups won't agree. On what and it's, it's really hard. I remember... It was a guy who worked for Obama. He was interviewed on This American Life or something, one of the political podcasts, I think. And he was saying, uh, trying to get the left to unite is like herding cats. He said, because the whole point is, it's all about your identity being really important and your identity being something you defend and you you don't want to be subsumed into a mass. The mm. right are very, very good at, say, working as a corporation or working as a military unit. They're very good at following orders and the hierarchy. The person at the top says, say this. Everyone below takes the message and repeats it. Right. He said as when he was involved with the messaging for the Democrats, he said the really weird thing is the Republicans would say, make America great again. And you'd hear exactly that phrase repeated all day, verbatim by every unit till it went in. Whereas all the left wing would go, I've got my own phrasing of that. Yeah. And they'd all say different things and it would get diffuse. He said it was really hard to get everyone to march in lockstep. He said the left will not do that. And that's what this drama is about, is saying the fantasy of literally builds to that point, saying, wouldn't it be amazing if all the different groups who had similar needs and wants and had a similar enemy, could march in lockstep. Yeah. And it's really hard to do. Screw you, Thatcher, I'll fuck you. They can see the appeal of both. Jonathan, screw or fuck? Screw or visceral? Yeah, there was a chant, a classic, say it loud, say it clear, refugees are welcome here. And that was going pretty well yeah. at this protest. And then basically I was frustrated because I was like, I could do this better, I think. Like, <laughs> I think I could lead this better, you know, because what we needed was to sort of ramp it up, to keep yeah. going, keep going. And this guy sort of drifted off. And then uh, I could hear a woman who was saying something much more complicated. And I'm sure it was fantastic, yeah. but we couldn't hear it where I was standing. Yeah. And it was, you know, polysyllabic. It was, nuanced. you know, it was no one wants a nuanced chant, a nuanced faraway chant. It was frustrating. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what's required. No. Collecting for the miners. I remember a million years ago, I might go on the Iraq war march, the mm-hmm. really big one that Tony Blair ignored. And the big takeaway from that afterwards was that the people who wanted to ignore it said, it was the usual bloody suspects. Mm-hmm. And I remember marching alongside a guy in wellies and a gilet from the Countryside Alliance. We were talking about being uncomfortable with, with the Iraq war or, the, or the, sending in troops. And I thought, this is so the opposite of the usual suspects. It was the perfect example of people from very, very different groups marching alongside. There were plenty of people, Tories I spoke to on that march who were uncomfortable with it, Labour. Everyone was from all different things. And the interesting thing was no one could get a chant going. Because it was all from different groups. And I remember it just being this noise. Of, <laughs> and broadly, that people will gather under the noise. <laughs> if they and have to. Anything yeah. more complicated and nuanced than that, it's really hard to get everyone to agree on. And it, is that the, yeah, it's really hard that to get. guy was trying to chant for fox hunting. Yeah, exactly. Yes, fox hunters against this. Oh, but it was dear. really odd. But we could agree that we were uncomfortable with something. And it was just a, what the bloody hell's going no. on sort of noise. Yeah. was really easy to rally under. And maybe that's the fantasy of this film, to sort of say that you could. I don't know what this film would, would look like if you were massively in favour of Thatcher's policies on the miners. Yeah. I hope you'd still be able to see it as a valuable lesson in how to get people together or the human stories would still be sympathetic. But the assumption is there's an enemy. They're the bad guys. That's totally taken for granted. So weirdly, I think the audience is in lockstep with the cause from the very beginning. They set it up, not particularly ham-fistedly. It's quite delicately done. But there's a baddie and these two groups need to unite against the baddie. But it's just about saying if you've got a common enemy, you do need to work together. And there's no point fixating on your differences. Yeah. Is it me or are the police getting soft? <laughs> it's funny, they've stopped hanging around outside our clubs lately. What's that about? Do you think they finally got sick of all that Donna Summer? <laughs> My guess is they went somewhere else to pick on someone else. One of the things, so Thatcher appears only once, I think, right at the very beginning. One of the interesting things about it is that Mark, who is watching it, at the same time as like clearly being 
inspired against her. He's being quite cold to a guy he's just had a one night stand yeah. with. <laughs> and I'm thinking how nice that is. Right at the very beginning to say, here's your hero. And he's not perfect. You yeah. know, you're going to be on board with him the whole time. But even he is not saintly. He's not someone who is, you know, gorgeous in every way. Right. Maybe you see you on the march then? I'm fighting for their job, Top Future, not just for me on. We've used the savings up with no money left. All we've got now is just pride and self-respect and we'll carry on keeping that. What the script and the direction gives is that every individual character in it is given agency and a voice and a richness and a depth and, and they're given to really good actors and the actors absolutely run with it and you believe them all. The Melda Staunton has a lovely, lovely line through. All of it's very, very authentic and very convincing because it's about allowing everyone to be themselves. They're forming a massive group, but they all need to have agency and a voice and independence and to disagree. And it's about, if you only say good people can join this thing and there's some kind of Puritan or some kind of entry criteria that everyone has to be a saint, you're never going to get anything done. It's so accepting of everyone's difference. Yeah. And that is what the actors have to play with. They have to say, we're going to play a massive gaggle of, again, it's the Muppets, <laughs> they're, but they're going to put the show on together. And it's just a great message. Today, with only a couple of buckets, we raised nearly 200 quid. Right, think what we could achieve if we really started trying. I'm from Durham. Well, you know exactly what we're talking about then. I know those bastards kick the shit out of me every morning on my way to school. And every night on my way home. So... When you say you cried, yeah, what did you first cry at? Oh, that's a good thing. Oh, I think <laughs> I first cried. Oh, actually, the first time I watched it, I think I was watching it with admiration until Bill Nye. Right. Bill Nye making sandwiches. And then I went and thought, oh, God. I mean, that's quite near the end. I sort of held it into them. That got me. And then I went, oh, I'm soft now. So uh, I've, I've, I've been softened <laughs> up completely. I will now cry at everything. And from that point, on, I think I cried at everything. <laughs> and then... Then obviously the white writing, uh, the, the 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 inciting incident for the white writing, the arrival of the miners. Yeah, I was absolutely yeah. wrecked. So yeah, that's that's the killer yeah, same. point. The well, for me, the first bit that I really went was the singing of Red and Roses. Absolutely beautiful and really weirdly convincing because I have to say you know when they do it in EastEnders or whatever when they have a, a sing-along of an yeah. obscure Cockney thing and you're like I don't really buy that these people know this but in this Welsh mining village you absolutely believe and I love the fact that they show all of the Londoners etc not singing not yeah. knowing it you know because why it's would they you know Welsh really singing. bread and roses bread and roses what you're waiting for is the sing-along moment, yes. like there is, where they're going to do you sexy thing from the full Monty. There'll be a musical moment, but they've sell this to say that's the kind of thing that communal Welsh singing at a miners' club, yeah. done by people who know the words, Standard. that's going to happen. Yeah. on tour with John Finnamore and there was a sketch right at the end where we had to get the audience to sing a stupid word which is yep. warp back at us so we yep. sort of sing it and go right now everyone do that and we were playing big old halls yeah. so it would be you know a thousand people or whatever and when we went to Wales so, and it's, <laughs> but it was a horrible noise generally uh, but just uh, you know when we went to Wales the noise was so beautiful that no one could remember the next line <laughs> And noise. it was like you're showing off here, guys. Oh, they can just do it. Yeah, it's a superpower. Yeah. Oh, they and you could see that it was about pride as well. Yeah. Where you're going to tell us that you know you're going to honk this awful noise at us? Well, we're going to reflect it back at you with harmony. <laughs> That's a nice moment as well because there's a reason for it. It's a motivated moment within the script, and it's also you've had a thing where. Each community is giving the other one something it can do. And you've seen Dominic West has done his dance and said, yes. I will show you guys how to loosen up and give you the a modern world. Modern nightclub dancing from the 80s. <laughs> In return, you then get to watch the Londoners watch it awe as communal singing breaks out very naturally and organically. And you yeah. go, oh, that feels like there's a balance to and fro. Each side has got something they can do that the other side can't do. Yeah. And the song, Bread and Roses, um, I don't know if you know it, but it's about the women supporting the the workers. That is what, you know, you give us bread, but you give us 
roses. Oh, wow. It's about it's important to have the art as well as you know oh, wow. your hunger sated, which is you know it makes it even more beautiful. Oh, that's very. I didn't know that. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. Hearts starve as well as bodies. Give us bread, but give us roses. Wow, is one of the lyrics in it. It's just beautiful. Hearts starve as well as bodies. reading a couple of reviews that said it hits all the beats you expect them to hear and you go yeah it does in fact that's what's so delightful about it is i signed up for this i know it's gonna get and it, and it delivered it didn't let me down but always in quite a clever way and always with the way that goes they've earned that and that moment is probably out of the whole film the cheesiest moment mm-hmm. but you'll still cry and when you think about it you go well was it unearned no it's totally earned yeah everything about it was set earned, up and it worked realistic I, yeah at the end of it, if the white writing carried on, it would say they really sang that and that was exactly the song they sang. <laughs> because I believe it's one we have to the extent I think that I really believe everything happened in this. Yeah. And because the crucial bits happened, you forgive the other bits. Yeah. And it's such a delicate contract in anything based on real life. Do you do this when you, whenever you finish watching anything on TV? I look it up. Oh, yeah. Go to Wikipedia and go, oh, it didn't happen. And weirdly, it can wreck your enjoyment where your favourite bit turned out to be a thing that was made for dramatic purposes. But I love the deal of this film, which is the most improbable bits of it all happen. Yeah. I'm concerned about AIDS. <gasps> what? It's not a trivial matter, Sean. They've issued leaflets. I don't mind taking more, Ivina. Not the lesbians so much because of their cuisine, but I'll take an extra gay. The only made-up character is Bromley. Right. Uh, the George Mackay character. And it's interesting that you said that earlier about how he was brought in as our yeah, eyes. The- so he is a suburban boy yeah. hiding his his gayness from his parents. We know that story. We know those people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that there's no sort of like, I, I remember being very slightly disappointed when I found that out. And then I just thought, no, that's a really, really good way of going, and this is what it was like. He's the youngest yeah. character. He's the suburban character. The others are all established activists. We're we're being brought in without with him, him as well. I, this will be the usual story of the usual bloody suspects because we know what activists are like, and they're and they're antsy and angry and up for a fight and things like. You need someone who's got a bit of self doubt, and he's a lovely bit of Russell T Davis writing. He's a yeah. total it's a sin character. I thought watching it again now, the first time I've seen it since watching it's a sin. When oh, that's that story. You need to tell the story of what it was like to not be comfortably out in the 80s. Yeah. The age storylines are done quite subtly in this. They're there. It's in the background. But all that stuff that is normally the heart of these stories about gay identity in the 80s is parked as a totally accepted background detail in this, including his story of coming out is dealt with as one of 12 other stories he's telling. Because he's the audience's way in, they don't then give him the limelight. They no, say, no, they easily could have done. Yeah, and they say some of the audience might need to follow their way into this via him. Okay, well, that's you guys over there. Again, it's all about saying all these stories. Uh, Dominic West character, who's older, that story is in there. Are you sure Jonathan's interested? Uh, Andrew Scott's character, who's got a difficult relationship with his mum. He's had a bit of a loose end at the moment. He just needs something to occupy him. Mm-hmm. Project. They've all got their own stories, and it's representing them all again getting together it's not following one person it's done so brilliantly it, i suddenly remembered my friend's dad who is not a writer having to write the local church pantomime one year <laughs> and they usually had a brilliant guy who did it and for some reason he couldn't so he decided he was going to write it but he's such an old socialist that he tried to give everyone equal lines literally <laughs> <laughs> and that does not work <laughs> in storytelling <laughs> congratulations all of you you are the founder members of Lesbians and Gays Support the Minors. Terrific. Let's bring down the government. But somehow this does. I think that's what's amazing. Yeah, there's something about it, about its intelligence and its wit and its thematic strength. It's about a bunch of different people getting together. So it tells loads of parallel stories. Yeah. It's really clever. It's great. And a shout out to the actors. Yes. Um, but I'd also like to say, I think when writing, here's my tip for writers. <laughs> Hi, writers. Um, my tip is... Write all your characters so that actors will want to play them. Yes. Because every single one of those actors gets something great yeah. to do. Nobody's kind of shunted off. As you say, no one's shunted off the sideline. Everyone has their own story. We've talked about this before on the podcast, saying that I think one of the things as a writer, completely agree with you, that you do is you turn up on set with a script you've written, which has got three great lead parts, and someone's been cast as woman three. 
and and you're left with someone who's got no character. They've got nothing to do. Everyone in this is the star of their own story. And that is what the story is about. As in, we've all got a thing we want to do. What's our big issue? That happens at the beginning where one of the other gay activists says, but what about our struggle? Why worry about someone else's struggle? And the point is, everyone's struggle is as important to them as yours is. Mm, everyone's You've, the lead in their own life. This is the a film about whataboutery and says, forget that. Don't worry that you've got your own problems. Each character is the lead in their own drama and it lets them all be there because that's how life is. And it's the thing that we often forget because we go, why should I support those people? My struggle's more important. And it's a film about empathy, I suppose. Yep. Your story is just as important as everyone else's story. Sorry. Very often when you're writing, you're looking for like a hero's journey. It's the thing that we're always told to look for, that classic thing. The hero must go and get something. And in this, there is just a load of people who are all trying to get something and they're all running together. And it's a film that says, well, of course, you're trying to get your thing, but other people are trying to get their thing at the same time. And you're all equally important. Um, and it's about sort of saying, can you be empathetic to other people's needs? Well, you can't have a film about socialism where <laughs> one person gets all the lines. <laughs> Yeah, it's somehow, it expresses its values from the top to the bottom. It's really clever that a thing about people getting together to act in each other's interests is interested in all its characters. Well done, Pride. Well done. Bravo, Pride. You've done a very good thing. Round of applause, Pride. (laughs) Comfort Blanket was presented and produced by Joel Morris the cheese and pickle family of podcasts find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe